What's up, guys? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name's John, and this is r slash malicious compliance. And this is Sophie. Sophie is our husky whatever mix. <laughs> Heart of gold, but she's a runner, as you can see from the GPS tracker we've got on her here. If, uh, if she sees an opening in the yard, she takes it. Sweet dog. And uh, she's starting to talk like a husky, so thanks, Dolly. All right, while she takes a nap, let's do some malicious compliance. Can't park in my driveway? Okay, I'll block parking in front of your house. Many years ago, we lived in a rental house in a cul-de-sac. One of the neighbors refused to interact with us because we were only renters while she owned her house. Whenever anyone parked in front of her house, she would demand they move their car because that was her parking spot. Well, one weekend we were having a birthday party for our kid. We had to double park cars in our driveway to accommodate the extra vehicles and avoid parking in front of her house. This meant two of the cars overlapped the sidewalk a little. We're in a cul-de-sac. Kids play in the street all the time, so it didn't block anyone from walking past. Midway through the party, we have a couple cops show up. Our neighbor called them to complain because her daughter couldn't ride her bike on the sidewalk due to our parking. She could have easily gone around the cars, and cops agreed it was stupid, but technically it was illegal to park on the sidewalk, and we'd have to move the cars. I told them we had issues with the neighbor when we parked in front of her house, and they said street parking is public parking and free for anyone, as long as the vehicle didn't remain there for an extended period of time. Cue malicious compliance. We moved the double-parked cars to in front of her house, and from then on, we always parked at least one of our cars in front of her house, even if there was room in our driveway, and parked it in such a way as to block any other cars from parking in front of her house. It's funny, it seems like everywhere I've lived, somebody's always had parking issues. Now, I will say, it's pretty rare that I have issues with anybody's parking. In fact, if anything, we are the neighborhood issue as far as parking goes. We don't tell people where they should park, but... We have a lot of people in our house, and we have a lot of vehicles, a couple trailers. We have an extra camper right now, for God's sake, because I bought a different one for us to camp in. It has more room in it, and I haven't sold the small one yet, and it's it's a mess. But we end up parking in front of other people's houses and things like that, but we try to keep it as contained as possible. Some in the driveway, some in front of our house directly, and in the overflow, we try to rotate around. So no one person has us parking in front of their house all the time, with the same car at least, and... uh we try to be respectful of that and keep everything kind of squished in as much as possible. So we've had like our neighbor used to get really ticked off when somebody would park in front of his driveway. I love my neighbor to death, but I tried to tell him, I said, you can, you can yell at him. I said, but you got to stop calling the cops because it's not illegal in this state. It is not illegal to park in front of somebody's driveway on the street. Is it a dick move? Yes, it absolutely is, but it's not illegal. And the cops are going to start getting pissed off at you and taking it out on you the more times you call them. Technically, you can't even have that car towed. I think it's a little silly. I would think that uh, blocking somebody's access in and out of their property would be illegal. But surprisingly, it's it's not. I'm just not sure why. My sister, who still lives in Jersey, had a crazy neighbor up until about a year and a half ago who would do the same stuff screech and holler if you parked in front of her house well if you've got company they got to park somewhere nobody was trying to park in the lady's driveway and uh, they only had one car it was an old mom and an old daughter and they're both nuts and one time i got there we were staying for the weekend and i think i got there at like 10 o'clock on a friday night tired i pulled up right in line with the curb I was in front of this lady's property, not her house, just the edge of her property, not blocking her driveway or anything like that, and uh, come out the next morning and there's a brush pile right behind my car, touching my car, 
and two trash cans on the outside of my car. Uh, people are just psychotic, man. I don't know. You want me to work 9 to 5? Got it. I work on a case with people from many different areas. Most of the people on the case work in a time zone that's three hours ahead of mine. This means that I'm often on meetings or depositions that start around 7 a.m. or earlier. A couple weeks ago, I attended several days of a deposition, starting at 5.30 for me each day. Those days, I left the office around 3. My manager then called me into her office and demanded to know why I was leaving early every day. I told her about the situation, but she didn't care. She said, this is a 9 to 5 job. It doesn't matter if you're in earlier. You leave at 5. Otherwise, people will think it's okay to come in and leave whenever they want. Well, 9 to 5 it is. I started arriving in the office promptly at 9. This unfortunately led to me skipping several meetings, but alas, it cannot be helped. One meeting I skipped, scheduled for 6 a.m., is an important bi-weekly one that my manager is also supposed to attend. She's never attended and always relies on me preparing her a report on the meeting so she can present it to her boss. When she asked for the report, I informed her that I was unable to attend the meeting since I work a 9-to-5 job and didn't want to give anyone the wrong impression. No report. Sorry. As I left promptly at 5, I peeked through the window into her office and got a great view of her trying to explain herself to her boss. Today she called me and dejectedly informed me that I can leave the office whenever I want from now on. I never understood that whole logic. I, I understand. If, if somebody's showing up at 9 and leaving at 3, that's a whole different topic. But when they're showing up two or three hours early or whatever, uh, yeah, they should get to leave two or three hours early. Whatever time they arrive, add your time to that, and ta-da, there's your go-home time. I mean, this ain't rocket science, and this sounds like a law office, so they should be smarter than that, but I don't know. I've dealt with a few uh, slow lawyers in my time. Love them to death, and they're smart in their field, but some of them don't make any sense when it comes to billing and organization. So, anyway. Work on small freight first? Alrighty. Obligatory, long-time lurker, finally posting my own stories and backstory. It's a bit long, but the backstory is fairly important, I've found. So I used to work a home improvement retailer that's popular in the Midwest United States. Nothing bad against the company other than the simple fact that it's retail and my fair share of customer stories. But today this story is about my assistant manager at that time. At the time of this story, I was working as a morning stalker with two other guys and was their senior in seniority, despite having only been with the company and store for six months. And the older gentleman was the downstocker, took excess products on the top shelf, and put it on the store shelves. He was a retired aviation engineer who just got bored of retirement and wanted something active. Kind of important to note. Our department manager, who was my first and absolute best manager, had a policy or a rule, call it what you will, where us stockers would put away the heavy bulk items that can be taken off the pallets and thrown onto the shelves without unwrapping anything. Think pet food, cat litter, 5-gallon or 20-liter buckets of paint. Yes, I know, weird combo, but that was what our department did, paint and grocery. And we would work through the bulk items, working our way on down to the smaller items until we got to the smallest items, like theater box candy. One morning, we come into work on this particularly fine Friday morning, where the manager had the day off, and it was the assistant manager for that morning as well as the whole weekend. Managers alternated working on weekends, a reason I refused the management position. And it was this day that she felt she needed to up her game or something because she told us in the morning note to us stockers that we needed to work on the smaller items first and work our way up to the larger items. We all exchanged looks and knew this was a bad idea. So I told them to just do the normal stuff and I'd ask her when she came in an hour and a half later at 6.30am. She came in and fortunately for us, me and the other stocker had finished our prospective pallets while the down stocker was just working the usual rounds walking up and down the ladder. I asked her if she really wanted to proceed with this line of process as there were 10 pallets in the receiving area for our department. 
and six of them were bulk items we could have done in less than an hour, and one of the reasons we stockers did the bulk items is, our manager would jokingly put it, he didn't want the sales team to smell like crap. Which makes sense if you ask me, because I've smelt myself on the way home after working bulk freight all day. But I digress. But she was adamant that we did the small piddly stuff so the sales team could focus on making sales and other more important tasks. One thing I failed to mention is that it was thunderstorming this Friday, which is a good day to me as I might as well live in Seattle or other places where it rains a lot. This causes sales to drop dramatically at our store given its location in our city as only contractors don't give a hoot about weather. Without skipping a beat, the other stalker and I nodded our heads and when the assistant manager wasn't looking, I grabbed the note she left for us from the recycling box. We had to use this later as I knew where this was going after how the day was going. To make an already long story not so long, the story repeated itself on Saturday. But rather than do a couple bulk items in an hour and a half we had before the assistant manager came in, we complied and did the small items like candy, off-the-shelf meds like aspirin and other small pain-in-the-ass items. We got maybe seven pallets of freight out on Friday, four of them being bulk. Two on that Saturday, despite another 15 pallets coming in. Stockers didn't work on Sundays. Us stockers would work from 5am to 9am, and Monday morning was when the managers would switch places, so the department manager would be in at noon that day, and it was about at 8.30am when the assistant manager realized how bad she messed up, as we had over 10 pallets in the back aisle. But receiving was packed with another 20 to 30 in receiving, with over 20 of these pallets being bulk items we'd have had done easily. Being friends with several people on sales, we came to find out she told none of the salespeople to work on freight, and would even tell the ones who would work on freight when their daily tasks were done to work on something else, like straightening the shelves and whatnot. I also found out from friends and receiving that there were two more trucks coming in that day, which caused me and the other stockers to giggle a bit. At about 8.30, the assistant manager told us, including the nice 67-year-old downstocker, to start working bulk freight to get as much out. Thing was, I had class at 10 a.m. and needed to go home to shower. So I didn't smell bad, and the down stalker smirked and told the other stalker that we were going to leave on time with him, and the other stalker coming up with their own reasons for having to leave on time. But I don't remember what they said as a reason. Come that Tuesday, the department manager's note to us told us to work on nothing but bulk freight, and that he wanted to talk to me specifically when he came in at 6.30. As soon as he came in, and before he could say a word to ask what happened, I took the papers the assistant manager gave us those two days and placed them in front of him. If disappointed anger could kill, then his flared nostril deep breath and exhale would have killed the city, as his eyes rolled back and he shook his head before laughing, just before bringing the other stalker over and telling us whoever got the most pallets done would get 20 bucks. Sad to say I didn't win, but I did get a second place $10 bill. As I said, he was the best manager I ever had so far, and before it's asked, we got 25 pallets done between us in those two and a half hours. I did 12, the other stalker did 13, and we joke he won because he took the last bulk pallet. Best part was the manager thanking us, handing us our winnings, and then telling us at 9 to go home and shower because we smell like shit. We still laugh about it to this day. Yep, it's amazing. Lower level managers, they finally get a taste of power for a little time and think that they can just come in and start shaking things up and moving things around and they always got a better idea. Well, you very well might have a better idea, but you don't step in on a temporary two-day rotation or whatever it is to try to test those theories and find out when you know you've got freight coming in non-stop. You work with the system you've got because you know it's been working, and then you discuss it with your other manager, and maybe you can come up with a plan to see if something works, but yeah, you just you just totally mess things up for nothing. Mm. Update. I'm not allowed to get water? Okay. Yeah, we read this the other day. This was the guy that uh, wasn't allowed to go get water. He works in a shipyard or something like that. First of all, hello again. I'm the idiot that almost died to prove a point. Before I continue, to all of you who were concerned about my safety and health, thank you. I never realized how many would care. I'd also like to apologize for literally putting my own life in danger to prove a point. It was stupid. 
My family, the nurses, my girlfriend, and many of you made me realize just how stupid I was, and I will be more careful in the future. I'm now out of the hospital after being completely stabilized, and I don't have any major trauma from this ordeal, so don't worry about that. Anyway, for those of you not in the loop, check my profile for the previous post. For those of you who already know, let's get into this. A lot of things happened so far. My aunt, the main nurse assigned to me, and the nurses I knew personally all cussed me out for what I did and told me to make sure I better get health and safety to invade my job for this. My aunt put me in contact with a representative, and I had a lengthy chat with said representative. This got the ball rolling for investigations to start. What I didn't expect was that even police had to get involved. I was released from the hospital after a day and was told that I could work, but I was entitled to 10-minute breaks every hour if the temperature rose above 25 degrees Celsius indoors, which basically is every hour of the day anyway. I clocked in today and was immediately approached by some man and woman in high-vis and hard hats. The woman introduced herself as the representative I had spoken to on the phone, and she basically asked me to backtrack and explain in detail what had happened. I did, and she wrote everything down and let me on my way, after reminding me to abuse my medical papers as much as I felt like. Don't know why. She just said that and walked away. Didn't hear much more after that. The entire company was called into a large meeting about personal safety, and it was quickly established that I was the cause of said safety meeting. Whoops. Anyway, we were informed that Kyle, the Dillweed manager, had been demoted to a normal worker and that we would be entitled to five-minute breaks every hour due to the heat. Nice. He said that due to the heat, the company would be purchasing drink coolers, fans, and would be compensating any worker that had to go home due to illness prompted by the heat. This part, though, shocked me. Frost is not allowed in any engine bay until winter due to the temperatures there being close to a sauna. We don't need him to almost die twice to understand his condition is severe. Basically, anywhere the heat rises above 30C, I'm not allowed in for my own safety. That's as far as this situation has come. Once again, to those of you who were worried about me, thank you, and I'm sorry for making you worry about someone like me. Thank you for your time. Yeah, I remember reading this story the other day, and if you want to hear the full story, just pop back two videos ago uh, to the other malicious compliance, and you can catch up there. But uh, basically, the guy was going to get a drink of water because it was so hot, and some moron supervisor told him he had to wait until his lunch break and told him to get back to work. So he did it. Legally, he didn't have to. I don't care what country you're in. It sounds like he's in Canada, maybe Europe, but either way, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's just not a good idea. And I said how it wasn't a good idea and that I wouldn't put myself in danger like that. Then I told a story and then commented on the story about how I towed my camper 100 miles one way and then 100 miles back without the uh, the load level or equipment between the trailer and the truck. And everybody started jumping my butt about it. And I didn't put myself in any real danger or my family because when you go slow enough, nothing happens. Basically, all I did was make it take longer to get there and longer to get home. Now, if I was trying to do the highway speeds, now I'm in danger. I know the difference. So I digress. But yeah, good to see that this guy's got things shaken up around there a little bit. And basically, if that supervisor hadn't gotten in the way, they probably could have been taking their water breaks with no problem at all. But maybe they had some other safety issues that we didn't know about. But now health and safety's there and uh, it's getting straight. No late lunches. No exceptions. I work a field services job where faults are called in and are attended to within a few hours. Lots of driving, very unpredictable workloads with while you're here faults. Some venues can have as many as 300 machines, so it's not uncommon to have 3 to 10 extras mentioned on top of the original issue. Usually we would just fix them and not bother wasting the time having a call raised, processing it through our job system, etc. Two extra minutes unaccounted for is more efficient than two minutes repairing and five minutes processing a job. I got into the habit of picking up enough work at once that I could reasonably expect to run out of work within one to two hours left at the end of the day. 
If anything went wrong, I'd have a buffer to get the work done by the end of the day, even if it meant skipping my lunch break. Typically, I'd be taking my lunch break around 2 to 2.30 p.m. for a half an hour on a 4 p.m. finish if nothing went wrong. I got rebuked for taking lunch too late. Explaining the rationale didn't help. Policy is policy. So now I take one job at a time instead of taking multiple logical jobs that minimize time spent traveling. I raise a call for every single extra job, even if it's a one-minute fix. I down tools and take my lunch break exactly halfway through my shift, no matter what I'm in the middle of. This is likely going to result in venues unable to trade for 30 minutes longer in some cases. The end result is that I have no stress on me because I only ever have a single job behind me. I'll never get caught at the end of the day with work left undone. I waste more time raising new jobs, reducing the actual number of fixes I get done each day, but my stats look like they've doubled. And of course, my meal breaks are exactly how they asked them to be. I'm happier through the course of the day than I have been in a long time. I can sort of understand this from both sides. From the worker side, I understand that a lot of times a decent tech or whatever we're doing, I was a carpenter and sometimes I was on the road doing cabinet repairs and recalls when I worked for a kitchen and bath company and I could make my day more efficient. I could map out my runs so that I could get everything done. Instead of splitting it into two days, I could, I could literally get it all done in one day if they just let me have the job slips and let me map it out myself. Now, would lunches be a little bit late? Would, would I maybe work a half hour extra over that day to avoid having to drive the extra half hour down there the next day before even touching the job? Sure. Now, most companies would appreciate that and leave you alone. But in some instances, depending on what state or country you're in or province or whatever, um, there are laws that say you have to have your break at a certain time. You have to have your lunch at a certain time and so on. And big corporations are really sticklers for this because, well, one, it screws up their schedule if you don't get things done at a certain time, and they already have a hard enough time keeping schedules straight. Two, health and safety or OSHA or whatever, whoever is your governing body over health and safety will totally rip your company to shreds if you don't let your employees take their lunch at a certain time. And if employees keep pushing it, it would be really easy for them to turn health and safety onto the bosses and make it look like it's their fault. So I can sort of see both sides of it from that point. So yeah, it's a balancing act, but I don't know. Malicious compliance for dress code. Help please. My company was recently bought and amongst other changes, the dress code has new guidelines. It boils down to business casual, but with some ridiculously specific, specific standards. Wow. Words are hard. Such as dress and skirt length, types of shoes to be worn, and the avoidance of any clothes with unprofessional or inappropriate text or images that may cause issues in the workplace. Which, if you think about it, it could be almost anything. I realize the safety and professional need for dress code in some industries, but my company is not customer-facing or selling anything. I was thinking of quietly protesting the dress code by picking the most outrageous outfit possible while still meeting the overall definition of the business casual. If this is too trivial for this sub, I understand, but many of the employees at my company will not have the money to buy a new work wardrobe before the compliance deadline, and the company is planning on sending those who can't or won't comply home without pay. Please delete this post of asking for ideas doesn't fit the rules, but I generally love this sub's comment and would love to pick your brains. And the comment down below explains it perfectly. It fits here just fine, except you haven't done it yet. Please update or repost with the fallout. Yeah, so as far as ideas go, the company is the company. They, they bought it and... They make the rules, and I don't know what kind of deadline they gave you. I don't, I don't even remember if it was in the story, to be quite honest with you, and I just read it. But it is their rules. Now, as far as being customer-facing or not, that doesn't really matter because in this day and age, if you wear anything offensive to even your coworkers or what they perceive as offensive, because I've worn some, 
I've worn plenty of things that aren't offensive in general public, but uh, I've worked with a few people that would raise a stink over anything. I mean, I've worked around people that if I wore this ball cap with this little Velcro flag on the top, uh, yeah, they'd have a total meltdown. I don't know why. It doesn't signify anything bad, but I guess some people assume that I'm part of some southern hillbilly redneck militia, whatever, but I just like the hat and I like my country. So there you go. It's as simple as that. People overcomplicate everything. All right, guys, thanks for spending a little bit of your day with me today. I hope you enjoyed the stories. And if you did, do me a favor. Can you click like, maybe leave a comment down below. And if you're on the podcast on Spotify or any other platform, see if they have a spot where you can leave a review or some kind of like or signifier that you actually came to watch the video and let me know what you think. All right, till the next one, guys. We'll see you.